0: Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series that delves into the biggest challenges facing the mortgage-broking industry. I'm Tony Rimmer, a Business Development Manager in the northwest,
1: And I'm Claire McPhail, a Business Development Manager in the South East. In this episode, we're looking at new build homes, what's new, what's changing and what it means for brokers and buyers.
0: We spoke to Adrian McDermid, Head of Mortgage Lender Relations at Barrett Developments, and to Scott Howitt, Sales Director for Chartwell Mortgages. Hi, hi, Scott, Adrian, a very warm welcome to you both. Good
2: morning. Morning, Tony.
1: Hi, Scott and Adrian, thank you for joining us today. So I'll start this off um, really by having a little think about the temperature in the housing market, I suppose, where it is at the moment, sort of mid 2021. It's been a really unprecedented um, year because of the pandemic and the stamp duty holiday has prompted sort of record activity levels as we know. What are you seeing specifically in the new build market? So if we start with you, Adrian, then come to you after, Scott.
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you. If if I can probably just start by harking back to this time last year, because I think it's worthwhile to put it in context, remembering that in March last year, we we shut down our whole business. So I'm going to say 6,500 direct employees. We'd furloughed 5,800 um you know we'd we'd shut down a FTSE 100 plc and then in the 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 march the may that followed excuse me uh we opened it all back up again so an extraordinary amount of work and disruption and despite that uh we ended up building you know in excess of nine thousand homes in the second half of, of last year so so and i think that's an indication to you of the strength of the market since it reopened in may uh, and there's been a lot of factors on that, help to buy, extensions to stamp duty, uh, you know, the so-called race for space. And we're definitely seeing, you know, people moving out of cities, beginning to consider home working as part of their their purchase. Um, so while, um, you know, the temperature has probably dialed down a little bit since maybe Easter or the first part of the year, you know, we're still seeing extraordinary levels of demand. Um, yeah. We're still selling very well. And I think if we have the right product in the right location, which hopefully uh, we consistently do, then yeah, um, yeah we, there's, there's an extremely strong market here and um, showing no particular signs of dialing down further than that at the moment. So we'll see what the future brings, but, but still very strong at the moment, I think, in answer to your question, Claire.
1: Thanks, Adrian, and Scott. From your side, what have you been seeing in regards to the new build market?
2: Okay, yeah, i would echo a lot of what Adrian's
3: already said there. To be to be honest, I think the legacy of that, interestingly, that, that three month window, I would I would say of March, April, and May last year, when it started to open back up towards the latter end of May and June, and I think the legacy of those three months, we're still actually seeing the the sort of the outcome of that now. Um, you know where we had we had as a brokerage uh, record months in uh, July, August, September through to October. Started to see it die down a little bit towards the latter end of last year, but that that's nothing more than I would anticipate in a a, a typical new build brokerage anyway, To be honest, where you get a sort of seasonal change, if you like i think the biggest difficulty at the minute interest or the biggest challenge should i say not difficulty because it's not it's not particularly difficult at the minute if you're a mortgage broker you're making here while the sun shines is um you know w- with all the the, the schemes that have been you know helped to buy obviously first time buyers extended we've got obviously the new scheme the new initiative that's come out um stamp duty obviously is obviously due to 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 close at some point but these are all these are these all make for a very buoyant market to be honest and i I gauge our business as i'm sure most brokerages do on footfall throughout the week so what's the lead volume look like and i can tell you that um it it, it ebbs and flows a little bit but by no more than five ten percent on a weekly or monthly basis so this there is still to me Uh, A lot of consumer demand, a lot of people out there who are actively seeking and looking to buy uh, new build homes, which is, uh, you know, it's absolutely terrific. Never been a better time, to be honest, to buy a new build home.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: Looking specifically at schemes now for first time buyers, how, how would you say the market is changing now, Adrian, with the introduction of this new First Homes initiative?
2: So I think there's a couple of points here. I mean, if, if you um if you look at the um, situation on help to buy, which is now restricted by price caps and to first-time buyers, I think we were a little apprehensive coming into this year at what the impact on our business would be of that. I think the strength of the market, uh the stamp duty holiday extension has driven a demand that that I, I won't say we haven't noticed because we're doing less sales on that particular scheme than we were previously, but that's very much helped drive usage of of help to buy. So, so still very strong in that area. A lot of the conversations we're having now of, of um, certainly at the centre uh, uh, on the forward horizon of what happens post-help to buy, uh, which for us is really September next year when we begin to sell into a post-help to buy market uh, or the first home scheme, which is a pilot of, of I, I think, 20 units, which will be extended to 1,500 later in the year, which house builders are being invited to bid for. So really, it's not until it becomes an embedded part of a 106 agreement as part of our planning that it's really going to have a significant impact on buyer behavior. Uh, We remain concerned once it's rolled out about local authority behavior, that the scope for local authority to amend the terms. And, And I think from a lender's point of view, particularly if you have different terms for every local authority, it becomes very difficult you to, to commit um to, to supporting it consistently. So I think there's probably more work to be done between Homes England and lenders just to make sure that the delivery is right when it's in rollout. So I think it will have an impact, but not for now, not for a little bit yet in, in volume. And um, you know, we're really focusing on what our what our life looks like post-September next year. When actually it's this isn't just a help to buy issue, it's a shared equity issue. We've been selling almost entirely consistently with shared equity since 2005. So for us as a business to shift into a, a world without shared equity, which allows customers to buy in an affordable way with a 5% deposit, is a really significant shift. So we're doing an awful lot of work in this space of, of to how we can manage, uh, how we can put our customers in a position to buy uh, and how we can manage that process effectively um, coming into next year.
0: It's interesting again you mentioned the the sort of relatively low numbers at the moment whilst we've got an almost pilot going on and then sort of stretching up to 1500 do you see that type of scheme especially based on what you said gathering legs and 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 actually growing as we as we start to get into perhaps 2022
2: and beyond yeah the the intention of it is is that it becomes so if you said on any given site 25 30 percent of the properties are affordable units is that these homes will become part of that agreement agreed with local authorities as part of planning. Uh, The challenge is because the percentage of affordable units is agreed at planning stage, those won't come through in terms of delivery for a little while yet, which I think is why there's the 1,500 units supported by um, government money in order to allow house builders to take a a 30% discount before we move on to it becoming part of planning. So, So I think when it does that, which may well be um, you know, a number of months yet um certainly into next year and beyond. I think at that point, this scheme will become significant in terms of people being able to buy a property. Uh, but in some respects, it'll be a, a replacement for existing affordable units, shared ownership, affordable rent. So um, the only difference will be we'll actually be selling them to customers to own on site, whereas currently we don't. We'll probably sell those affordable units to a housing association. Um, so there'll be a slight difference in delivery mechanism. And uh, I, I think it will increase the amount of people that will be able to affordably buy a new home, which you know we're supportive of and we think is a good thing. And looking at it from from your point
0: of view as as well, Scott. I mean, did, do you see that having an impact? And you know, how do you see that playing out?
3: Yeah, I, I think I think long term, as Adrian said, it will have an impact. I think any any initiative you know that um, the government uh, wishes to put out there is, is there's going to be a, an uptake on it, and there's going to be a market for it. And I don't see this being any different. I think whilst ever you've got. Um, help to buy in its current format, obviously, which is you know got another couple of years left to run on it. I think um, you know that, that's that's a real driver for, for for people because that really is you know owning your own home uh, at some point. I, I think with this scheme, the government's target overriding target is three hundred thousand new homes per year. It's relatively small, I, I would say. So um, I, I don't think it's going to be anything like what Help to Buy has been. Which um, you know which has been a, a, a fantastic success, but nevertheless there is going to be an uptake for it. there is a market for it. Um, and I guess over the over the next sort of six to 12 months we will see what happens with it and how lenders react to it. And I think there's there's quite a lot of probably legislation and red tape that you know people it, it'll form itself, it'll define itself over that period of time.
1: So turning to some of the other issues facing the new build sector. How's the introduction of the new Homes Ombudsman affecting the industry? So for you, Adrian, what do you see as the potential impact that this is going to have going forward?
2: I think think broadly it's going to drive better quality, better defect resolution um, and complaints handling for our mutual customers. Which is a great thing, and um, we're very supportive of. I think any change of process when you're, um, you know, building 18,000 units, individual units, manually, largely each year. That that. Pr- pr- present significant operational and process challenges, but they're challenges we're taking very seriously. We're investing a lot of um, thought and resource in making sure that we deliver the best customer experience. So yeah, I think it will have a significant impact, but it'll all be for the good of the customer who we hope uh, will will continue our journey to to give... um, you know an increasingly better product to our customer on the day that they move into their house which and you know, if, if that's the, the the outcome then then that can only be a good thing
0: and i suppose just uh just moving it into the advice section uh scott if if we can i mean we talked about a couple of things there already the ombudsman change end of help to buy uh, and i think if you probably layered in there the 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 move more towards digitization of advice as, as we go through Scott, from, from your point of view, how do you see the advice model changing and evolving over, over the next few months and, and, and again into next year? I think the digitisation
3: model or the, you know, all the lenders, the sourcing platforms, they're all moving very, very quickly and things over the last 12 months, which would have normally taken another three years or five years to happen they've actually come around very very quickly i suppose the biggest driver for for me uh, you know as, as a as a principal of a business is is the changing face of the consumer you know i say to all my guys i talk to them regular about the amazon generation they want it there then immediately they want to self-facilitate they want to find it themselves and i think i think the i think the broker model very quickly uh, and i'm not talking years and years and years i think we'll ch- will have to change but i don't think i certainly don't fear that i would absolutely embrace it because it's going to happen so you've got to get on that train with it
0: and just on that then scott how, how would you say that specifically links into the the new home sector the new build part of uh, of, of the mortgage process
3: yeah i i think with i think with new build which has always been a quite traditional model i think with that i think it's all about getting the getting the 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 client the consumer the general public to 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 get fall into the process a lot earlier than what they fall into the process now generally it's you know they get up on a saturday morning they go out to sites they're on a site they're interested they phone the broker they get qualified I think I think from a broker point of view, I think from a developer point of view, I think from a lender point of view, we've got to get into that process a lot earlier, a lot earlier, and the customer's got to transact with us. So so they're turning up to sites already knowing what they want to view, already knowing the house layer, already knowing that they can facilitate a mortgage and they can get an, an agreement in principle. And I think tomorrow's buyers are a lot savvier. Uh, they do their research a hell of a lot earlier than what they do at the minute.
2: May I, may I qualify that? Because I absolutely 100% agree with that. And we recognize the pace of change is upping. And we recognize that actually getting a better quality of buyer to site is, is extraordinarily advantageous for us. I'm still not convinced that in my working lifetime, and I'm older than I look, so 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 it might not be that long, um, that the digital advice process, will be robust enough for us to want to take £350,000 worth of stock off the market to a buyer, particularly in a post-help-to-buy environment where we just discussed it It may be more complex, it may be more difficult, we'll be dealing with more diverse, different types of customers. So I think it's about integrating uh, the different types of advice and allowing our customers to choose who they want to deal with, how they deal with them, whether that's face-to-face, on the phone or digitally, if our customers can choose that at an earlier point, Um, I I think that's the solution we're probably looking for.
1: Thank you, both of you. You're listening to Mortgage Insider. Please rate, review or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So just moving on a little bit to, I suppose, the impact, well, the wider green agenda, really, the impact of the installation of gas boilers um, from 2025, that they're not going to be allowed and, and how this is affecting the new build sector, really. And for Adrian, I'm sure many of the people that are buying the properties at the moment, you know, this is something that's very much on their agenda, I'm sure
2: so i think i think sustainability probably in the last couple of years has has gone from um, you know a significant uh, interest to us to being one of our top both risks and opportunities probably over well over 95% of all the homes we build at the moment have got an a or b epc certificate yeah, high, um, and yeah. despite that you know the future home standard is demanding that we have a 30% cut in our carbon footprint um, over the next couple of years and then 70% moving forward from that. So, so you know, that, that's a really significant piece of work in terms of the homes we build and also how our customers hopefully select homes. Uh, the reason we think it's a massive opportunity is if you compare that to the second-hand market, um, the diversity between the two in terms of energy efficiency and the cost of running them will become exponentially more as new homes become more energy efficient. And actually, second-hand homes in some cases almost come with a debt to um, upgrade them to modern standards of energy efficiency, so so that's a really significant um, opportunity for us. The risk is that uh, it, it, there's a significant cost to delivering what the future home standards to to installing, uh, for example, ground source heat pumps rather than, than than gas boilers. And customers are familiar with gas boilers, so so yeah. you know we we want these changes to drive customers to choose homes based on energy efficiency and carbon footprint.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Scott, was there anything you wanted to add to that?
2: I just think from a from
3: a, obviously a mortgage point of view, with the whole uh, green mortgage campaign that a lot, a lot of lenders uh, seem to have jumped in now, I, I do think there is. I completely agree with you, Adrian. I think there is a, an edu- still an education piece to happen. But I would talk about tomorrow's buyers because they are, you know, our next our next pe- tranche of people that will be purchasing and taking mortgages. There is definitely an undercurrent and, and a feeling that there is a, a real interest from this this demographic of people, this audience. It, it almost. It's almost exclusive in a way at the minute, but it needs to not be exclusive. It needs to be a bit broader than that, to be honest. But there is definitely, definitely, uh,
0: real interest in, in in this type of thing. Just to sort of take that a little bit further again, I mean, if we look at buyers in the in the new build market, is the is the demographic do we think starting to change uh, on that? And do you do you think there's a wide enough range of properties actually on the market and an offer um, for them at the moment?
2: I think for the reason I, I sort of mentioned earlier in terms of, you know, the continuing success of help to buy, probably not as much as, as you would imagine, you know, so we're still seeing a high uptake of help to buy that has a preponderance of first-time buyers, particularly now for obvious reasons, because <laughs> home movers are excluded from it. So not, not as much as you think. and I, I think, again, it goes to the sort of post-help to buy challenge that, that whereas, uh, you know, 30 to 40% of buyers may be using help to buy, may possibly be buying a slightly larger house than they would otherwise be able to afford and their incomes grow in to it um, you know we, we're going to have a look, look at have to look at different diverse segments and to how we fill this gap so that could be uh, intergenerational bank of mum and dad staff it could be what we're terming I think extended middle age which I think is me. <laughs> Um, with sort of grown-up children. What, what what do you do next? Well, hopefully there's still some life left in you. Um, and, you know, what, what are the other opportunities for us to sell our product? And are we building the right product for them? Interestingly, we found last time we looked at uh, sort of early retirees, we were looking at... Um, developing a brand new house type for them, which was largely, you know, a three bed house on the footprint of a four bed. So bigger rooms, guest suites. Uh, Actually, what we found in the end is is they're buying our existing product. So we're not sure there's a need for more diverse product. but I think there's a need to address uh, how we talk to, how we attract um, and what process works for more and various different types of customers than possibly we have had to previously. So again, a big element of our thinking moving towards a post help to buy environment.
1: So the general feeling from customers, I suppose, towards new builds. So if we think about buying a car, we worry about depreciation. I know that when valuers go out and value a property, they sort of say this is valued as new. Um, So how do you think customers feel about that what do you feel that sort of um, what should they be thinking when they're buying a brand new property opposed to potentially buying a Victorian house um, that could be a little bit cheaper
3: a lot of people talk to me about new bill comes at a premium and, and, I, and I often bat it back and go "I'm not. I'm not entirely sure I agree with you to be honest because it has got all those things already in there you you're not going to need to do all those things so my own feeling is i think you've got to weigh up one against the other very carefully and you've got to weigh up you know what what is the cost of upkeeping a 100 100 a year old property versus a, a you know property you're just about to buy with all the relevant certificates and warrant warranties and all the rest of it with it so I think you know I mean it's down to the individual obviously I mean the second-hand market I think we've all we've all seen as as had a, again another real surge and we're back into the gazumping land and and sort of sealed bids which we've not seen for you know a long time uh well you wouldn't get that with, with new build it doesn't happen
1: <laughs> thanks Scott Adrian anything to add to that
2: Oh lots yeah so f- first i it, a hobby horse i find I find the the new car and I understand um the context in which it was asked the new car sort of comparison is pretty unhelpful. Uh, because you know new cars can um, depreciate up to seventy percent of their value over three or four years, so, so I don't think that happens with new homes. Um, and as Scott says, I think you know I think there is such a thing as a new build premium, but it, it's what the customer chooses to buy for buying something that is brand new that has a two year guarantee, where they know that if the boiler, uh, which they're not going to have anymore, breaks down, that we're going to come down and fix it in the first two years, and they don't have to pay somebody to come out and look it. So so. Uh, you know, that disappears when um, the property becomes second-hand. What doesn't disappear is the energy efficiency, the design... Uh, the fact that in a regeneration area you know we built brand new school brand new access roads, brand new doctor's surgery, you know that doesn't disappear and there's a lot of unhelpful um, sort of references to data proving new build premium and actually what they mean is the difference between an average new build property and an average second hand property but you're really not comparing like with like so so, uh, and, and customers choose as, as Scott said.
1: Thank you ever so much Scott and Adrian for joining us today it's really interesting, um, lovely talking to you both.
2: No problem. Thank you, Claire. My pleasure, Claire. Thank you.
0: That was Adrian McDermott of Barrack Developments and Scott Howitt of Chartwell Mortgages.
1: The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not reflect the views of Barclays.
0: If there's a subject you'd like us to explore, then please do email us at mortgageinsider at acast.com.
1: And please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm Claire McPhail.
0: And I'm Tony Rimmer. Thanks for listening.